Hello again, and welcome back to Hail Saturn. It's been a minute. Thank you for your patience with me these past couple of months. I know I kind of just dropped off the face of the planet halfway through our Houses series, and I apologize for leaving you guys in the lurch. Life just really happened these past couple of months, and it's taken me a little bit of time to kind of get my head on straight and get back into the swing of things, into a place where I feel good talking to you guys about what's going on in my head. But I think we're here now, and I'm happy to be reconnecting with the podcast and you all listening at home. I hope you guys are well, or as well as you can be in circumstances like the ones we're living through at this time. It's been a dark time, hasn't it? Thinking about everything that's happened these past couple of months, I honestly just want to burst into tears. But while I hope that this episode can serve as a sort of vessel to hold the grief that I've been feeling so that I can move forward and try to live a productive life again and be a positive, constructive force in the world, I also want to try to avoid becoming a dark little rain cloud darkening your day. My goal is always to spread positive, inspiring energy that gets you thinking, gets you moving, gets you feeling like you have some control over your life and your future. And it's been hard for me to have that perspective over the past couple of months, witnessing what I've witnessed and going through what I'm going through in my personal life. Not to make things all about me, but my grandfather did pass away in October, and so as the world has been plunged into a time of collective grief and shock and horror, my family and I have also been going through our own personal period of grief, and the combination of the two has just really had my head spinning. What's helped me to recollect and gather myself together again has been a lot of rest, solitude and time with my own thoughts, time to process my grief and my feelings, time to cry, the love and support of my partner who I'm so grateful for in times like these and all the time. Always, Eli, you're the best. And actually exercise I've found has been the thing that's really helped to calm my nervous system and get me to a place of groundedness where I can overcome those big feelings that were kind of bowling me over and weighing me down. It's been weeks that I've been trying to sit down and record, and I think that I'm able to do it today because I went to a new weightlifting class at my gym yesterday, and it really kicked my ass, and I'm super sore today, and I feel like, wow, I can finally think and speak my thoughts out in a way that's not just totally broken and confused. We really have a lot to catch up on, I've missed talking to you guys. A lot has gone on in my life, both positive and devastatingly negative. And I've been thinking about all kinds of things that hopefully those thoughts will finish baking and I'll be ready to serve them up to you in a nice bite-sized form that you can hopefully gain something from. It's like such a big knot up here of things I wanna talk to you about. So please bear with me as we get back into the groove. I think I'll wait until next week to pick back up with the houses talk because I kind of don't want to combine that with this discussion that I want to have today. 
just in case you guys want to come back and re-listen to those houses episodes because I think they'll be a little bit more evergreen. I don't necessarily want to combine it with something that's, you know, so sad and controversial. But yeah, the elephant in the room every time I've sat down to record has been, of course, the war between Israel and Palestine. All of the pain and suffering and death and devastation that's been wrought that we're all bearing witness to because of our connected, technologically advanced society. We get near real-time updates about the horrors and tragedies unfolding with a heavy dose of bias no matter what source you're looking at, and it's just felt like a minefield, trying to parse through the reports and the propaganda and just the level of desperation in everyone's rhetoric and messaging. Everyone always says that this conflict is so complicated, so nuanced, it can't be distilled, it can't be simplified. There's no easy way to come to a solution because it's so complicated. And on some levels, I understand what they mean by that. And looking at it from certain angles, I can even agree. But I also think it's a lot simpler than people would like us to believe. And that the idea that it's too complicated for any of us to comprehend or have a coherent opinion on or ever agree about is a little bit of a manipulation of our minds and only really serves the people in power who have perpetuated these crimes and atrocities. It's been a hard situation to witness on a lot of levels, first and foremost, the pain, destruction, and death of innocent civilians, innocent children, on a human level, it's horrifying and sickening, and just one of the most depressing things I've ever witnessed. Seeing an entire culture be systematically wiped out in the most violent of ways, their humanity denied by an oppressive force that seeks to destroy them totally and seems to be succeeding in that aim. And to see that destructive effort have so much support on the world stage, including the support of my own government, of the country that I live in, yeah. On this podcast, I really love to talk about envisioning alternative futures and bringing our dreams into reality and creating the world that we want to live in. And the past few months have just felt like the farthest thing from that. And like everything is sliding, snowballing into hell. And Earth has become hell for millions of people. And we could talk about why that is. And we probably should at some point. I don't want to just hop up on my soapbox and, you know, give my own assessment of the geopolitical conspiracies that have led us to this moment. I might at some point. I mean, I reserve the right. But for now, I'm still kind of watching and assessing and trying to connect the dots. And I'd like to have my ducks in a row so that I could really come with receipts if I'm going to start making accusations <laughs> against these major geopolitical players. But when I was thinking about the podcast and returning to it, I was thinking a little bit about some episodes that I remember recording in the past, specifically the one called Aquarius Paradigm, where I talked about Pluto moving into Aquarius and the new cultural paradigm that that was ushering in. And that idea kind of stuck out to me as relevant to revisit now because I think at that time, I sort of glossed over how 
Pluto wasn't going to be remaining in Aquarius from that point forward, but actually was going to be retrograding back into Capricorn for a period of several months this year before making a second ingress into Aquarius and then carrying on through the remainder of its time in Aquarius for the next 20 or so years. And thinking about this podcast and some of the big picture astrology trends and energetic shifts that we've talked about here, I think I kind of underestimated how intense these last gasps of Pluto and Capricorn would really be. And I mean, of course, I couldn't have seen this coming, and that's not what I use astrology for. And I think even the best astrologers who do track mundane transits and try to forecast and analyze current events in an astrological perspective also couldn't have seen this coming. We're usually blindsided by stuff like this because astrology is a symbolic language, and so we can see the symbolism, but not necessarily how it will play out on the stage of reality. But analyzing things in the present and in hindsight, I think that Pluto's placement and the power dynamic and power paradigm that's in play right now has something to do with how things are shaking out. And I desperately, desperately hope that Pluto's shift into Aquarius that's coming in January will provide the necessary energetic shakeup to permanently end this toxic dynamic that we're seeing play out. It's not soon enough. January 22nd is when Pluto will shift into zero degrees of Aquarius, and it's not soon enough. But at least it's something on the horizon. And what I look forward to about that transit I briefly discussed in that previous episode, Aquarius Paradigm, which is that I look at the Capricorn power paradigm as favoring the wealthy and high status individuals in our society, and I see an Aquarius power paradigm as favoring the people, the social collective, the masses. And when I think about what's been happening in Gaza, I see that as extremely wealthy high-status individuals destroying the people for their own financial gain. And so I hope that when the power paradigm shifts again, the people, the global population, will be able to seize the reins and seize control of the situation and turn the wheel in the direction that the masses are crying out for. Because I really don't think it's the majority of people who support what's going on in Gaza. I think it's a small but powerful and wealthy minority who have made this choice and who are being empowered to carry out these atrocities for their own financial bottom line. I'm talking about governments and world leaders who have a financial stake in gases, oil, fossil fuels, natural resources. Okay, that's what this is about. This isn't a religious war. That's what they want you to believe. They want you fighting over religious freedoms and hatred of religious groups and ethnic groups so that you don't clock the real motivations behind all of this, which is control of natural resources. I said I wouldn't talk about it, and here I am talking about it, but I'm just over here putting the pieces together because that's just the type of brain I have, and I do want to talk about it. Like, I want to figure this out. I don't think that this is a conflict that's simply too complicated and nuanced for anyone to ever understand. I think that's a convenient smokescreen over the truth. 
I think that Israel has a complicated place in a lot of people's minds because the land that Israel exists on used to be Palestine and it was settled and colonized and seized through violent measures. But at the same time, since its creation, Israel has been a place where Jews can escape persecution and violence elsewhere in the world. So those are complicated truths that feel like they're in conflict, that the land was taken through violence and that it's used to protect people from violence. And depending on which side you feel allegiance to or feel more of a bias toward, you know, that could inform how you see the nation of Israel. Whether you see them as an oppressor and a violent entity, or whether you see them as a protector and, you know, a valuable asset to the world and to your community. So that's sort of the first lens to look at Israel through. But then, if you pay attention to the geopolitical layer, you see who are the backers of Israel. You know, who has like put their money and their might behind creating and protecting Israel and helping it exist and expand. You know, and those are Western powers, including the United States especially, but Western powers who want to have an ally and a base and, you know, an area of influence in the Middle East, which is a very resource-rich part of the globe. So in this place that's full of oil and full of natural gas and full of profitable resources that can be mined from the land, we have faraway Western powers wanting control over that area. And then at the same time, we have local Middle Eastern powers, and they too want a piece of the same land and the same resources that the West has their eye on. You know, and those are the powers that are backing Hamas. And so the Israeli government is funded and influenced by these Western powers looking for access to these resources. And Hamas is funded and influenced by these Middle Eastern powers that have their eye on the same land and resources. And they are fighting a war to eradicate the indigenous population of that land so they can steal that land and resources because that indigenous population is the one thing standing in the way of them having all the access that they want to profit off of those resources. And I mean, I don't have to tell you how beyond evil it is to sacrifice all of these thousands upon thousands of innocent lives, to displace millions of people from their homes and subject them to conditions that are hell that are actual hell that they've created on earth and forced all of these people to endure or die in and okay i'm getting upset and this is why i didn't want to talk about it and i should definitely stop and i'm sure that you guys have already done a lot of thinking and reflecting on the situation and already have you know your own way of processing these events and so you know i don't mean to assume that you guys haven't considered these things or you know come to similar conclusions and it's such an unpleasant thing to talk about that feels dangerous and controversial and it does feel hard to wrap your head around and hard to be sure of because there's so much misinformation flying around saying all kinds of things and it's so hard to figure out what is trustworthy what feels true and impossible to be certain about anything but I do think that it's important that we can have conversations about this topic in ways that are respectful of everyone involved and that are not hateful and don't call for violence. But I think that we do need to start talking about the history 
and the different interests involved beyond just Israelis and Palestinians and what they're each going through on their own side of that conflict. But to zoom out a little bit and look at the big picture of this situation and see that there are much more people and groups of people and powerful entities involved and invested in this situation and to think about their motivations and to try to counteract this evil influence that they have and these horrific manifestations that they've brought into all of our reality for their own and solely their own benefit. It's very triggering for me in a lot of ways because previously in modern situations like this where something tragic happens that's beyond the pale, that's just completely morally detestable and makes me feel disgusted in my core, I have felt the need to speak up and even to become combative with people who I feel like aren't grasping the severity of the situation and aren't seeing that bigger picture. And in that effort, I have not only created division in my own personal life and pushed people away and done the opposite of influencing them toward the understanding that I have and, you know, coming to a common ground and a shared conclusion, but I've also fallen victim to propaganda campaigns and lost my own sense of reality and truth to the swirling rhetoric that's being flashed in front of me 24-7 through my cell phone. You know, this is like a problem that feels really unique to the modern time period that we're living in. And it feels like over the past decade, we've all been learning how to manage this dynamic for the first time, you know? It's still new. It's actually still pretty new that we're all being basically psychologically tortured by the 24-hour news cycle and flooded with information and propaganda and rhetoric that really challenges our ability to hold on to our neutral critical thinking skills and keep a clear head about things. And we're being shown the atrocities that are happening in real time. We're being shown video and photographic evidence of atrocities that like, it has a serious impact on our mental health and our psyche. And this stuff can really drive you crazy. And so that's what makes me feel like I need to talk about it, you know? I mean, these kinds of events are so, so damaging to our world. Like, the destruction and the devastation of Palestine and the Palestinian people is something that is such a massive loss and just so hard to come to grips with on its own. And it feels like someone needs to do something and... I really empathize with everybody who feels like they need to speak up and keep Palestine and Gaza at the front of everyone's minds because it is ongoing and the devastation is currently in progress. But I think it has also a deeper impact of like scarring the collective psyche and that this is like a massive black hole in all of our energies right now, that this is happening in our world and it'll be a stain on our history and I just, I really hope that things start to shift, at least when Pluto enters Aquarius. I hope that things really start to shift, and I think that trying to come together and understand reality, understand our impact and the impact that other people have on it, and not just stay in our bubble and try to comfort ourselves, but to challenge ourselves to really engage and engage with love for humanity and to try to find the humanity in everyone and try to find the solution that honors our humanity and the humanity of everyone else on the planet. I think that's important to work towards. 
And the sooner we do that, the sooner we'll be able to move forward in a direction that's positive and start climbing our way back up out of this hell. This podcast is pro-humanity. We're not nihilists. You know, we're not preparing for a Mad Max, anarchist, empires in decline, techno-futurist, psychotic vision of the future that people are perpetuating all the time. I do believe things can get better. I do believe that we can partner with technology and have it be a positive development for humanity that allows us to do more and realize more in the course of one human lifetime. But things are not on track for a positive future for humanity. And that has become impossible to ignore and impossible to hold on to delusions about over the past two months. So that's where I've been, is just, you know, watching in shock and horror and trying to make sense of it, trying to learn about the reality of the world, and then trying to get myself to a place where I can see a positive future again and, you know, begin to alchemize the energies that are around us into something positive once more. And it's hard to do that when you're grieving, when you're in the depths of grief. It's just hard to see the world clearly, and it's hard to alchemize feelings into positive energy. But healing just takes time, and I know I will heal, and we will heal, and there's things that we can do to help it along. So let's figure out what those things are, and then start to do them, and create routines and regimens around doing them, and make that healing such a constant part of our lives that we become good at it. I do feel like while my own grief and my grief for the world really knocked me down to a low point that I didn't know if I was capable of reaching anymore and it was humbling to be there again, I think all of the tools that I've been working to arm myself with and acquire and hone over the past few years have helped me to bounce back up a little bit faster, a little bit stronger, and... I'm grateful for that positive trajectory that I can subtly sense in the midst of all of this difficulty. I feel more resilient and that feels really powerful to me. And that's what I hope to share with all of you guys listening. Just whatever I can, whatever good I've managed to gather, I just want to send it your way. And hopefully you can incorporate it into your own life experience and all of our vibrations can raise up and we can focus on a shared goal of peace and positivity and justice and we can manifest that energy and overpower these power paradigms that have been oppressing us and oppressing our potential for good. I know it sounds really woo-woo and I feel a little bit silly even speaking like that but I know that there's something true about what I'm saying and that these kind of fundamental building blocks of gathering and building energy and targeting it, focusing it, and aiming it at the point that you want to reach, I know it works. I know it's real. And I know if you're listening to this podcast that you want good things for the world. So that's why I want to arm you with my tools and help you get to work. So with that thought in mind, maybe we can take a moment right now to aim our collective energy beams at the same target and pray for peace in Palestine 
Pray for an end to the violence, a permanent end to the violence, and pray for the safety and the recovery of the Palestinian people. And I'd suggest a moment of prayer as well for the people of Israel as they recover from the horrors and the losses that they suffered on October 7th and for Jews all over the world and Palestinians all over the diaspora as they try to make sense of the pain that they feel and feel safe moving through the world. The energy around us that we have to live through and move through right now is really volatile, really painful, and really horrifying. And I think it's been hard for a lot of us to figure out how to keep going how to manage the emotions and the feeling and the psychic damage that this all has brought up. We all go through hard times and none of us is a stranger to pain and loss, but it's different when it's something affecting all of us at the same time. A trauma being inflicted on the masses, on everyone. And my yoga teacher shared a quote from Rainer Maria Rilke, who's an amazing poet, if you don't know and haven't read. And I think that quote was really perfect for this time. The quote is, let everything happen to you. Beauty and terror, just keep going. No feeling is final. So let's keep going, guys. Let's gather our strength. And when we're strong enough, let's keep making an effort toward realizing a vision of life that we love to live. Take care of yourselves out there. Keep warm this winter. Keep thinking good thoughts for the world. Keep praying. Happy holidays. I hope you connect with loved ones and you feel some warmth and joy this season. I'll talk to you guys in the new year and hopefully 2024 brings some brighter, lighter energy than what we're finishing 2023 with. Wishing you guys all the best now and always. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.